This is the Mediate Now with Winter Wheeler. Your clear choice for expert mediation and negotiation advice. But it's so much more than that. Take our advice. You will improve your entire life. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Gabrielle Hartley is a leading online mediator and family law attorney known for keeping 99% of her cases at the settlement table. I mean, that's like unheard of. It's unbelievable. After clerking for Justice Jeffrey Sunshine in New York State Supreme Court matrimonial part, she opened a private practice serving clients online in Massachusetts and New York State. Gabrielle authored Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate. She's a sought-after expert in the positive divorce space in media outlets such as the New York Times, the New York Post, U.S. News and World Report, has been interviewed on dozens of podcasts, and is a regular guest on NBC Mass Appeal, which I actually saw today, by the way, Gabrielle. Gabrielle serves on many committees within the ABA, the American Bar Association, Dispute Resolution Section, including serving as Vice Chair of Membership Marketing, Co-Chair of ABA Mediation Week with me, and Co-Chair of the Dispute Resolution, Just Resolutions, Mediation Edition. She's also on the Western Massachusetts Mediation and Collaborative Dispute Resolution Steering Committee. Gabrielle trains divorce professionals in the Better Apart Method online, and I am one of those professionals. She has a private mediation practice and is of counsel to Lisa Ziderman's law firm in Westchester and New York City. Learn more at GabrielleHartley.com. Gabrielle, I I can't even believe you're here. <laughs> it's always so much fun to be with you, Winter. Oh my God, I'm so excited. So, Gabrielle, I think that like you and I have known each other. Probably like eight months, something like that. You know, the pandemic months feel so, so, so long. They do. But I feel like I've made some really good best friends. This is definitely one of those situations where I feel like I've encountered people that truly support me and will continue to support me. And I and I and I feel the exact same way for them. So, you know, Gabrielle, I have supported you for months. We've been friends for months. You've been the Women in Dispute Resolution Mediator of the Month. You and I have worked together. I have taken your courses. Yay. And they were amazing. I learned so much from you. And you are such a generous person. You have given so much to me just outside of the course, I guess, course base, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. But I all I, I know that I can call on you and ask you for help. And I know that that is very, very special because most mediators do not do that. You can't call most mediators and ask them for help in their specialty. And well, you're a special person, right? Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure and honor to help you. Oh, I love it. Oh my God. 
So, Gabrielle, so this podcast is entirely about how mediation can help your average person move forward with their life. And there's absolutely no one in the entire world better situated to talk about that than you. So do you want me to tell you about the method? Yes. <laughs> yes. Tell me, tell me all about the better apart method and why other people should be taking it. Because for me, honestly, I think it changed my entire view of how we should be mediating family law cases. And it really changed my view on divorce in general. The better part method is really a way to reimagine your life. I'm not sure. Am I speaking winter to the end user or to the professional? Both. So it's a method where you're looking at the divorce through the lens of five elements, which are patience. How do you slow down enough to deal with all the crap that's heading in your direction? Peace, which is about how do you see what's good enough so that you can move forward and get to positive, right? Respect, which is all about rebuilding self-respect when you feel like garbage when you're going through the divorce. Clarity, getting away from the blame game and becoming a visionary so that you can see better what you want to happen in the future. And then forgiveness, how do you let go? So, so for the end user, it's really designed to be a companion to get you through the divorce process and beyond so that you can live your, the rest of your life in a more uplifted, positive way. Now, for the divorce practitioner, it's really a way of looking at the case, which is sort of turning the divorce process on its head, right? As you know, Winster, it takes you through parenting plans? What are the important elements you need to consider when you're fashioning a parenting plan? What are the parenting plans options? What, are, what do you think is the best for your client? How do you want to tell it to your client? And where are your clients stuck? How do you use the five elements to unstick your clients and move your cases, right? Because for the practitioner, that's our goal is to move our cases forward and make agreements that are sticky, that last, that aren't going to wind up in the law clerk's desk, I saw many mediated agreements when I was clerking for the judge where there were agreements to agree. There's a lot of, of um, landmines if you create a separation agreement that is not contemplating all the what ifs. What you want to create is a sticky agreement, an agreement that stands the test of time. Agreements to agree are destined for failure, unfortunately. When I was clerking for Judge Sunshine, or even now in my private practice, I see agreements cross my desk that say the parties believe that they can resolve disagreements amicably. The parties believe that they can create a holiday schedule year to year buy in between them. That is not an agreement that you want. You want to have the very strict structure and then you can deviate all that you want, right? I can see that winter is agreeing with that <laughs> and not agreeing to agree, but actually agreeing. And then financially, right? Like people, even if people have a lot of money, I've done a lot of seven figure divorces where believe it or not, one or both parties is kind of clueless about what they have, what they need, what they spend, what their income is. And, you know, what do you do with that? So the better part method 
gives you the tools to know how to bring your clients forward through their cases. And to your point, when you started to talk, all of these concepts are concepts that we can all use in our everyday life, right? Because mediation is really a great way to telescope your whole life. You know, we get stuck in should, we get caught in judgment. And when we do that, we fail to listen. And when we listen and reflect and validate what other people are saying, both at the table and away from the table, we have a complete budding of positivity and real communication. And compassion is really the ultimate goal, right? Absolutely. I think you are on something huge. You've got a positive divorce movement happening and I love it. So, you know, I I do divorce mediations, but that's not what people know me for. I'm headed. I'm on my I'm on my way. I'm trying to do more of those. I'm right there here. I'm right here for you. You know, I think that this translates to, you know, like the personal injury, the wrongful death kind of situation as well, because we're still talking about validating people's feelings. You know, we talk about patience, peace respect, self-respect, forgiveness. That's a huge one, right? And that that one's so hard for people. Oh, it's so hard. And I tell you, Gabrielle, I spend, and I call it the Winter Wheeler Method, TM. The Winter Wheeler Method is all about making sure people have that cathartic experience in their mediation that they need. That's what closes your cases. The catharsis, when you validate the just right point, you get the catharsis. The the way I'm able to resolve so many cases is by hearing and reflecting the hardest parts of the conversation. Because when you do that, it might make people a little uncomfortable, but that's the first point of honesty sometimes. And that's where suddenly all of the argument melts away This is definitely the case in the context of family law. I can't tell you how many times, you know, you you, you say in front of the two lawyers and the two litigants, you know, you say to one of them, it sounds to me like it feels like your whole life was a lie. And then you quickly turn to the other and you say, I'm not saying it was or that that's true. That's just his slash her experience, right? And then the person cries, feels heard. And then you look back at the other person. And you take a pause and you don't have to, you're not a therapist. You don't need to like say, how do you feel? You know, it's been said, it's been heard. And now let's talk about who's keeping the house. Suddenly all the the (laughs) air in the balloon is popped and people are much more able to make the space to move. And that's what the peace, the peace piece is all about, right? Like getting the emotion to neutral when you're mediating, if you can get the room neutral, if you can get the parties neutral, that's the magic of it. If you can get the room neutral, you can get the parties neutral. And and yes, that's something that I tell them all the time. The mediation is your day, whether you're the plaintiff, you're the defendant, it's your day. You've got to get all of that out. If you think that a, a trial is going to be your day, you are mistaken. You are so wrong. We've, you know, before, you know, I litigated for uh, 14, almost 15 years. 
there were emotions in Lemony where I made sure I wasn't going to hear all of this emotional stuff from the plaintiff, right? That that, that was not going to happen. But when I go into a mediation, I tell them, you tell me, you rely on me. This is your day. Whatever you need to say, whatever you're feeling, you want to yell, you want to scream, I want you to do it. Do that now because I'm here to hear it. I'm that third party. I am replacing that jury for you in in the extent that I'm someone who doesn't know you, doesn't know the defense, and I'm here to hear your case. I'm not sure that you want to encourage the yelling and screaming in a matrimonial because it could get a little bit crazy, but... (laughs) (laughs) But, but to, yeah, maybe not matrimonial because there there's a lot of natural um, yelling and screaming and name calling that happens in matrimonial. So we do want to tamp that down. Um, we want people to feel their feelings and be heard, but um, the level of expression might have to be dialed a little differently. That's all. Because <laughs> okay. it's, it's uh, particular. <laughs> I don't need to correct you on your own show. So, okay. Yeah. You know, I typically deal with people in the the personal injury space or the employment law space um, where they're very happy to kind of lose it on me and not on anyone else and and move on. So I know that that's, that's very different. Right. They're not calling you a, you're not, they're not calling you a slut or a bad mother or, you know, they're not slut shaming you no. or their employer. <laughs> Yeah, it can get pretty ugly. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I can imagine. And you know, you did a great job, really, teaching me about that um, when I took the classes. So I, I do want you to tell us a bit more about the classes in just a second. When it comes to me working with people, I have been, and maybe I shouldn't be. So you tell me, you let me know if there's something that I need to change. Maybe I shouldn't be taking on all of that emotional baggage when I'm dealing with family law cases. So let me ask you something. Do you typically mediate in caucus or in um, one room with both parties? Like, do you do breakouts? I do breakouts. I try to keep people apart. So it depends where you practice. In New York and in Massachusetts, it is really um, not customary to do breakouts. In fact, I was just on a, um, a call where there was a question of, you know, whether it was ethical to do breakouts at all. And, you know, I raised my little hand having traveled around the country, learning that in many places, it's quite the norm. Um, it's all about disclosures and appearances of impropriety. If you're doing the breakouts, I think in the breakouts, it's okay to take that stuff on because it's it's not going to inflame the mediation. Whereas in the room, it really can be incredibly inflammatory and triggering for people to hear right. all the crap that they've already heard. Now, in terms of your self-care, there is a such thing as vicarious post-traumatic stress syndrome that divorce attorneys, family lawyers, and mediators suffer from. Again, I'm not a clinical psychologist or a therapist of any kind, but you are taking that stuff into your psyche, into your body. And it's okay if you take it on, if you're aware that you're taking it on and that you deal with it. You might deal with it, honestly, by going to a therapist and talking about all the trauma, but therapists see therapists for that reason, right? 
or engaging in a yoga meditation, journaling, you know, all those like, you know, wellness things, let it out somewhere. Because if you don't, you are taking in too much. That said, it's awesome to hear people's pain because people need to let it out. People, as to your point, people need to have their day, right? And at the same time, you need to protect yourself. Now, depending on your practice, if you have the kind of practice where, you know, you're quite expensive, you don't see 10 cases, you know, you don't see six cases in a day, maybe you see one or two, and then you can go for a long run and do something for you, it might be just fine. But if you're working in a firm where they're expecting you to do back-to-back mediations, you know, for eight or 10 hours a day, I would be really careful about letting too much of other people's stuff come at you because it's going to take its toll. It's going to be draining, just like the divorce or any kind of litigation is going to be draining. And I'm not sure that it's going to be, I don't think it's going to work actually if you're not in caucus because what it's going to happen is you're going to start inflaming each other, you know, meaning the parties. So if somebody feels that their reputation has been destroyed because you both work at the same university and, you know, your husband has besmirched your reputation and the husband says, well, if you hadn't done this and that, and then instead of mediating the facts of the case, it's like you're suddenly in a therapy session that's not going anywhere. Wow. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I do take on a lot of the emotional baggage. I take on most or all of the emotional baggage. That's kind of one of the things that I just do um, automatically. Do, when you say you take it on, you mean you listen and you think it doesn't impact you or you listen and you ruminate on it? Like, how do you handle it? Oh, God. Is this like therapy for me? Because I like was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that later. So I I try to take on like all of the emotional baggage for everyone. That's like what I do. That's like my method. I try to take it on. You know, I'm, I, I consider myself to be an empath. I take that on. I can feel it. I take it on anyway. And so for me, because I'm going to take it on anyway, I move forward with it. I can help people work through those issues because of that. And I've never really thought about why or how that could be a negative Honestly, Gabrielle, like never, I mean, I mean, never thought of it as a negative. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of positive parts to it. I'm sure that that's how you're able to resolve cases. I too, like, you know, am right there at the table with the people. Um, but I think you just need to make sure that you, and, and you may have your own method that you're sort of cleansing yourself of it. Um, but for your listeners who may not have your level of experience, you know, just be careful. I would just caution you, especially if you're a newer mediator, um, and you're a natural empath, make sure you are taking care of yourself. You know, that whole old boring old adage about putting your oxygen mask on first. Um, you probably are a mediator because you love it. Just make sure you continue to love it because it will it will erode you. And also in terms of moving your case forward, if if you're not in the same room, if you're if you're not in the same room, again, it's fine. But if you're in the same room, you want to hear the emotion, validate the emotion, and move on. 
right? So that we're not stuck in the emotion, that we can get to the nuts and bolts of what we have to address while still acknowledging the emotion. Because I think some of the old school mediators, it's almost like the emotion doesn't matter. And of course, you can't really right. effectively resolve a case in a way that feels good with no, no emotion as part of the, the equation. I, I have an article on, on Thrive Global that says it's called um, Beware the Stranger in Black Robes. If you think that the judge is going to hear more emotion than your mediator, you're, that's not right. That's not what's going to happen. Right. I was just going to say that, you know, as the mediator, I'm the person who's going to, I'm the only person who's going to care about your feelings. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really what I was going to say. So it's, it's definitely in line you know, with what you were saying, uh, once you get to court, once you get to trial, your judge is not, your judge is not concerned with how you feel about it. Um, your judge is not going to listen to you yell, scream, and curse your ex and not have a response to it. So in my job as the neutral, I can hear you say whatever you want to say about your ex, and I can still be very sensitive to you and responsive to you and feel that emotion from you, but not take it on in the sense that I have a feeling about your ex. I can still go talk to your ex and have the exact same response to the ex, you know, the judge is not having that experience. They're not literally taking it in. Oh, no, no, not literally. Mm -mm. And, and by the way, your judge, even if your judge takes it on, it's not a lot of stuff that we hear at the table is just not legally relevant. So it doesn't matter. Like it does, it's not outcome determinative for the judge. Whereas in mediation, we have latitude to create any possibility that works. And that's that's really the better part method is about knowing where the possibilities are, right? If, if you need right. to be quite conversant and fluid in all the things that impact whatever kind of case you're dealing with, the better part method happens to be for family law matters. And there are really specific things that you need to be aware of that you wouldn't think about if you're not seasoned at dealing with family law matters. Um, and if you're getting divorced, you know, hopefully this is only your first time getting divorced or maybe your second and, and you really need to be conversant in how normal most of what you're going through, probably all of what you're going through is and how you can get from point A to point B and use the divorce as a launch pad, your opportunity to reinvent yourself and your life into something better. And, and honestly, Gabrielle, that was one of the most important things I think that I got from your Better Apart training. I'd never thought about divorce that way. I wasn't super familiar with divorce in a personal way. My parents are divorced, but as the child, I did not have a ton of experience with that divorce. I'm married. I've been married for, um, goodness. I, you know, and my husband's my audio editor, so he's going to hear this. It's been, uh, it's been 11 years in January. So I don't have that personal experience with divorce. And so going through the course with you was amazing. I learned so, so much. And, and really, 
I was in a position where I've gone through, I mean, I'm a mediator. That's what I do for a living. So I've gone through basic mediator training. I've gone through extra mediator training. I've gone through domestic mediator training. I've gone through domestic violence mediator training. But when I find, you know, you and I have been friends for a long time. And so I know you had this program. And so I bought the book. I read the book and I was like, this is amazing. This book makes sense to me. If I was going to get divorced, this is the type of divorce that I would want. Uh, One that just makes sense for everyone, for me, my husband, and my kids. Literally, if I decide that we would be better apart, obviously, I'm coming to you to help me get that done. You know, I'm lucky I, 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 I have a husband who would be, at least, at least I think, I guess you don't know somebody until you divorce them. Um, I've heard that. I've heard that before. But I've heard that. I, I've heard that also. Yeah. But I think that, you know, my husband would be very interested in making sure we got along well enough for the children. Our kids are really small still. I I was just going to say, you know, a lot of feedback that I've actually gotten on Better Apart is that people wish that they had it at the time they were getting divorced, but that it's helpful really at any stage after the divorce, because these issues keep on going. And one of the more powerful feedback that I got was a spouse of a cousin of my father reached out and he said, you know, he loved the book, but he was feeling a little depressed. This is good feedback, I promise. He's feeling a little depressed. Why? Because he realizes all the things he could have done differently for the last 40 years. But the good news is his ex-wife is still alive and he was committing to going forward, do things a little bit differently. And there are tips throughout the book that really can last you through your whole lifespan. Oh my God, Gabrielle, are you kidding me? Did you cry? Because I would have cried. <laughs> I was, you know, it was powerful. I, I, Yeah, I know you. So maybe you weren't crying, but <laughs> it affected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just because you don't cry all the time doesn't mean you don't have feelings. Right, right, right. I know I'm, I'm the wimpy crier here <laughs> in our dynamic. But I I love that. I love the idea of you having this impact on divorce and this positive divorce movement. You know, I think it's great for kids. My parents were divorced. I was already, my gosh, 29. Oh, I was wondering because my parents, my parents were divorced. I also haven't been divorced, but I was just thinking she must have been much older when her parents divorced because... I mean, when people say you haven't been divorced, how could, and I'm like, well, I changed houses every day for 10 years. So I'm not sure, you know, that we can say I haven't been divorced. And I'm going to tell you something else, which I've only shared once before. Um, so my father, actually, you know this, my father passed away very recently, a few weeks ago, um, when we were just online together. And um, the day after he died, I had a bunch of my close friends and his close friends um, outside in a socially distanced patio um, to sort of celebrate his life. And at the end um, of the afternoon, my mom said, so, you know, to my brother and me, will you bring the kids over tomorrow? And my first thought was, um, well, have they seen dad enough, right? Like here I am, like I'm an adult, I've got teenagers and smaller kids. And I was thinking like, 
I had to balance the custody, right? And that's when my father's death hit me. I felt like just overcome with tears that like, like the custody was over, right? And I was like, gosh, like I never, like obviously my parents' divorce impacted me or I wouldn't have like devoted my whole life to this positive divorce movement, like somehow making this into something good. But like, it just, your my point is that the kids carry it forward, maybe not to the same degree that I did, right? But like, maybe more, right? My parents got along um, reasonably well. Like they never went to court. They did everything outside of court. And that was the eighties when people didn't do that. And so I just, I make a plea to all, all those divorce lawyers and mediators, especially the, law, the litigators who, who take this all very seriously and just look at it as a business transa- transaction. It's really not. I mean, it's part business transaction and I'm, I'm a very strong advocate for as Winter knows, because she just did my course, disclosure, disclosure, disclosure when it comes to finances. <laughs> um, but like disclosure and have a heart, right? So um, absolutely, our job is really important. And as mediators, I just want to say to all of you uh, who may be family mediators, just remember that people are looking to you as an authority figure. They haven't done this before. You've done it 10 times, 100 times, like me, a 1,000 times, maybe more. They're looking to you to set the stage, to guide them on their path forward in their new life. And give them permi- giving them permission to get along is really the best thing that you can do. It's like, I, I feel like it's a gift to be a divorce mediator. I feel like it's really important work. I, I feel like there's a lot of meaning in it. And I'm And that's why when Winter, you know, when she's thinking of doing family mediation, I said, you know, definitely let's co-mediate, you know, and I, and and I'm surprised to hear that other mediators, you know, aren't saying the same thing. Cause I think really when we uplift each other, we sort of shift the whole, um, the whole notion of divorce, not that anyone wants to get divorced, not that anybody wants a marriage or a family to split, but it doesn't need to be this horrible, bifurcated, nasty, you know, game that the court process makes it. And so I think because my parents divorced when I was young, I really, I I really was never, um, my heart was never really into the divorce litigation, although I did it. it. It really, that's not, that, that it never felt like the right way um, to deal with divorce. Now that said, I'm going to just put a little asterisk and say, you know, I am of counsel to a very powerful divorce litigator in Manhattan and Westchester because sometimes it's necessary. Right. It just is. Yeah. Sometimes you're dealing with someone who's like, I would say I can, no case too big or too small, but I can't, um, I can't mediate with a terrorist. I can, I can do a billionaire's divorce. I've done many a millionaire's divorce. I can do a divorce for people who have very little money. I can do any kind of divorce. You can have lots of property, no property, lots of kids, no kids. But what you can't mediate is someone who is not going to come to the table, make agreements and stick to them. And those have to be litigated. And that, and, and you're ready to do that too. And, and, and just because you litigate, it doesn't mean that you can't come back to the mediation table. So I myself don't litigate. But if you have a listener who's feeling guilty that they can't mediate, I just want to say that it's okay. Not everybody can. Like, not every case can be mediated. And and also, if you find yourself in litigation, don't worry. Once your spouse gets his or her $40,000 legal fee, you might find yourself dealing with somebody who is willing to mediate. So... 
Oh, yes. You have been amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for being here. I appreciate you for having me. Oh, my God. You know, you and I are friends. We have been for a long time. And of course, of course, like everybody else, we've we met during the pandemic. If anybody has been paying attention to our LinkedIn profiles, we are we are clearly, clearly good friends. Um, I love Gabrielle Hartley. I always will. She's awesome. She has. Yay! Have a winter. She has supported me, um, and I have <laughs> supported her through this pandemic, which is, of course, what everybody needed right now. Um, so, anything Gabrielle has to has to do or has to say, I am here for it. I think she's amazing. I have, you know, literally, I've taken her classes, and they they are genuinely helpful as a child, adult child of divorce. That was. That was traumatizing. Literally, I was 29 years old and it was still traumatizing to see my parents go through a divorce. There are actually groups. There's a group in, in, in New York City um, run by Family Kind, which is for adult children of divorce, such as yourself, um, because there are a lot of people who the impact just stays um, with them. Anyway, thank you so much for having me. It is always my honor and pleasure to work with you in any capacity. And if any of your listeners are interested um, to work with me or to find out about the different offerings I have, um, I'm at GabrielleHartley.com. Also, if you are getting a divorce and you're just not even sure where to start, if you go to my homepage at GabrielleHartley.com, I do have a Survive and Thrive giveaway, and that gives you your... um, co-parenting 101 financial fundamentals and a little intro to the better apart method you couldn't spend your money better really <laughs> yeah well and that and actually that, that that survive and thrive is absolutely free so there's no money you can just oh is it oh, okay little giveaway well i did not know that okay that's awesome Thank you so much for coming here and being part of this podcast. But I do have one more question for you. It's a simple one. So I (laughs) hope I can answer the pressure's on. I I know, right? The pressure's on. I have this one thing that I do every day that makes me feel normal during this pandemic since I'm basically trapped in my house. Is there something that you do? every day that everyone else would think was like kind of ridiculous that you do every day? Um, I mean, I get dressed and put on my makeup every day. I, I like to, yeah, I mean, I, I, mean I, I always put on a nice blouse every day. Every day. I love that. Basement, every day, every single day. Do you know what mine is? No? I, okay, I was thinking maybe you knew. I put on perfume every day. Oh, how would I know that? I've never been in the same <laughs> I, I thought may, I thought maybe I would have told you. Yeah, I, I put on perfume before I zoom oh. every day. I smell oh. so good. So interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But. I love it. <laughs> as weird as that might be, it, it makes me it's feel not weird. Super comfortable. It's not weird. I actually, I'll tell you something else that's a little more weird, okay? Is I yes. have um, these really nice smelling um, face oil, like which is a mix of all these different scents and herbs and it's all natural. And I put it on right after I come out of the shower every day. And then my face, you know, I smell very nice. It's not perfume, but um, if you're really close to me, you'd smell it. 
But nobody knows would, that either. So I don't want to smell you, Gabrielle. <laughs> ah, which I think really means I just want to meet you in person because I feel you know, we uh, talk I know. So, we talk so much. I feel like I've met you in person and I absolutely have it. It's just the craziest thing. I know it's weird, me. right? I, you know, I think this program is going to help um, family law mediators and anybody going through a divorce. And um, if people take our advice, they will absolutely improve their entire lives. Thank you for listening to the Mediate Now. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Music and audio editing provided by Encompass Podcast Studio. Take our advice you will improve your entire life.